Welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hume. Affordable Freedom is about defying the ordinary. It's about rejecting society's definition of success and the rat race it takes to achieve it. It's about slowing down to spend more time on what's truly important and using your money to build a lifestyle around those values. Financial freedom doesn't have to wait until retirement. With mindfulness and intention, you can make it happen a lot sooner. And it can be more affordable than you think. Thanks for taking some time to slow down with me today. All right, welcome to the Affordable Freedom Podcast, everybody. Today, my guest is Olivier Egli, and I'm excited for this conversation. I've gotten to know Olivier quite a bit over the past year or so, and um, have become friends with him. He's a good guy, and I think he's got a lot of insightful stuff to share with us. So I'm really excited about this conversation, Olivier, because as you and I talk about quite a bit, we live in a pretty fucked up society right now. Um, it's a society where people are quick to label others and tune them out. And, and, you know, because this is a space where we slow down, you know, and we listen to important perspectives, no matter how different they may be from the status quo. And I, I don't know why, but whenever I talk with you, I always think about the ongoing, never ending debate of socialism versus capitalism. You know, it seems as old as time. But today, man, it's just like it's become perverse. Like here in America, we're a bunch of proud capitalists, right? But guess what? Capitalism doesn't mean you need to exploit and abuse other humans. It doesn't mean that there needs to be disgustingly wide wealth and income gaps. Uh, Capitalism is the greatest and most efficient mechanism to create an economy that can benefit far more people and improve the health of our society. I mean, if you just have to look at companies like Chobani, Patagonia, Costco, and there's several others who have proven that being cool to people and actually caring about people, communities, and environment can drive powerful and sustainable growth over time. And, you know, I bet if you ask the employees at those companies, they would tell you that they do happy work. So, Olivier, I know that's kind of your area of specialty. So can you give us a quick overview of how you define happy work when you're working with your clients? Yes. Well, thank you so much. This is a perfect gateway, of course, into what I do um, as a business guide. Um, Yes, I'm not a business coach. I'm a business guide. I guide people into their happy work. And it's a very valid question to ask, well, what is happy work? And happy work is actually something that's very simple because it's very natural. It's actually what we would do if we would tap into our natural self. So if we would function exactly like an apple tree, if we were exactly like an apple tree, we would be giving apples. That would be our work. That would be our work focus. A tree is very clear on what it has to do. Anything in nature is very clear. And that is what fulfills that organism, that system, in providing that specific value it's carved out to do. But for us human beings, it's very hard because we're so distracted by the narratives of the world, what we could do, what success could be, what we should achieve, that we do anything but happy work. And what we do then is this kind of, this weird quest for fulfillment that sits outside of ourselves, which I call sad work. So sad work is the work that 
just never fulfills us. That, you know, leaves us with these big questions of like, what's next? What could I do more? What job should I change to? What, what business should I start instead? Rather than saying, hey, who am I? And what am I carved out to do? What is natural to me to give? And you and I, we talked previously about people who kind of embody happy work, right? And we all know those people, but we, we, we fail to recognize what their message, their teaching for us is. We just try to imitate them. So if we look at people like Oprah, Gandhi, uh, but, but, but also like Martin Luther King uh, and, and, and musical artists that we know, we try to be like them, but their message is really, you have to be like yourself and make that the source of your doing. Because when you do that, when you become relentless and unapologetic in creating value that stems from your deepest insights, you become truthful, honest, connected to your actions, and that will define your happiness and that will define your success. Now you don't have to go on a quest for shiny objects anymore. All you have to do is do a better job at bringing yourself into the world. And I am a guide who helps people march through that door because we all know, we've all been there. If you're past your mid-30s, we've all been at the point where we're like, what is going on? why is my life not moving forward? Am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Why does it feel wrong? Or why do I feel like I'm not really tapping inside in, in, into my, my full potential? That's because you're not. That's because you're, you're actually playing someone else's avatar. You're actually not leading your own life. You're leading the life of that, what society imposes on you, what your parents recommended to you, what your teachers taught you to do. But at some point, it's enough. At some point, our heart wants to show. At some point, our heart wants to be free to sing its song. And it wants to show it through the actions that we do. And that's happy work. And that's precisely what differentiates these businesses that you mentioned, like Patagonia and Costco, from their transactional competitors. They are here to provide value they honestly believe in, value that is sourced within, whereas their competition is just trying to fight over scraps of a market. And that is a very, very big difference when it comes to our emotional connection with such a workplace. People hate working in transactional environments because it's, it's like working, it's like being in a battlefield all the time. But when you work in, in a field of happy work, you're a giver. You're giving something and you're partaking in something you truly care about. Isn't that all we really want as human beings? We keep calling it purpose, meaning, whatnot, but all it really is is we want to be part of something, doing something that truly means something to us. And the only thing that will ever mean anything to you is that which you are about if your life is not about that which you are about, you're leading a life outside of yourself. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And we need this. So what, what do you say to somebody who, um, you know, they, they like everything that you're saying? And of course, I think everybody 
wants to be happy. We all want to do work that is fulfilling. Um, but what do you say to somebody who says, well, you're just being too much of an idealist? <laughs> that, I understand that because I was an idealist up until I was like 35. I, I, was, I was connected to the idea of happiness, but I didn't understand it. That's what, when you're an idealist, you, you, you kind of mask the reality of things with an idea that's utopian, right? But here's the thing, up until later in our lives, and that's me included, or especially me, we don't even know what happiness means. We think happiness are the trophies we, we put on our walls, you know, the, 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 the things that decorate our walls, the, the, the tiles, the accolades, um, the accomplishments. But this starts to fail at some point, and I'm here to ask you, well, if I'm being idealistic about being happy, then is life about being miserable? Is this really the aim of life, to just kind of sustain this imbalance between a heartbreaking job and dark questions at night? Are we just here to pursue a terrible work-life balance that constantly puts us on the brink of extinction? No. We're here to be just like nature. We're here to thrive. But someone who calls me an idealist in, in, in what I say has embraced a way of life that is only about surviving. And I disagree with this statement. Life is about thriving. It is not about surviving. Of course, you have to survive at first. But most of us, and you know exactly what I talk about. You of all people know that probably better than me. Um, surviving, you know, especially in the financial aspect, that's just part of the image. That's just part of the whole, the entire picture of the context. It is about what do we do with our life once survival is secured. We cannot remain stuck in survival mode. But we human beings, we do it. We, we die still thinking, oh, I survived. I survived my life. Who wants to survive life? We want to, we want to get wild. We want to really, really celebrate. We want, it, we want to be bruised. We want to be wounded. We want to have lived rough and seen the things we wanted to see before we slide into our coffin. It's not about being well-preserved, as Hunter S. Thompson said, um, the day we die. It's not about being cosmetically perfect, perfect skin and a perfect balance sheet the day you die. It's about emptying your wallets. It's about giving your heart, spreading your blood all over the world giving yourself entirely, and then you can go. And that's what every single person that we idolize in business or in art, in music, whatever, has always done. They have given. They just give themselves away. And that has nothing to do with an idealistic view on life. That's just, you look at the window, you look at every single tree, that's exactly what the tree is doing. It just gives itself away every day. Yeah, and I think the um, there's this shift from idealist being used in a negative way, that negative connotation, which I think is totally outdated. Maybe if you're in survival mode, which we as humans were for a long, long time, maybe an idealist could be a bad thing. But we live in an age today where 
idealism to me is a great thing. Like humans are incredible. To your point about these people who have had massive success or had a great impact on the world, they they did this, right? Mm-hmm. And if humans are so capable and human ingenuity has driven us forward for for, for so for so long, why wouldn't we want to use that to our advantage and try to create an ideal life for ourselves, an ideal life for our friends and family, right? I, I've noticed in um, running my business, like trying to be very specific about my ideal client, not taking anybody's money that I can get, but who am I really going to enjoy working with? And what that does is it increases my value to that person, mm-hmm because I'm so mm-hmm. specific. And then when my value is higher to other people, it becomes very easy to make money. You have a lot of financial opportunities that start opening up to you. So yeah, good stuff there, man. Yeah, I can totally relate to the idea of um, you know the ideal client, the ideal value we give, the ideal setup within which we give our, um, our value. I think it's just important that we don't remain in the world of idealism in the sense of like you know a lot of people think that that's what could be possible and we have to try to aspire to but we don't ever do it because when we talk about idealism a lot of times people think that they don't really have to strive for that they just try to thrive uh, to strive for realism they want to be realistic so they say well what is a realistic life what is a realistic client was it what is a realistic outcome for what i do and then they get bogged down in the status quo right they get bogged down in like oh you know this is what a lawyer does this is what a financial advisor does and then we all just remain clones of each other and In that respect, I absolutely agree with you. Maybe I am an idealist in that I strive for the ideal life in in that I want to use the full potential that's available to human beings. That that is that is probably if I ever had a goal, that would be my my business goal to to activate potential in people. But whenever I say that in in a bigger round, of course there are people who call me idealist in the sense of like that's never going to happen even if it is possible, that's just being too optimistic about human nature. And I disagree. And I have a lot of, a lot of cases to prove, uh, you know, the, the, the contrary, because the thing is that it's like doing yoga. What is the hardest part about doing yoga? What is the hardest part about anyone's day? What is the hardest part about working out? It's getting on the mat. It's getting out of bed. It's getting started. That's the hardest part. For most people, it's just a resistance to get on the road towards using their potential. That is the hardest thing because once you face it, once you realize those principles that are at work, it just flows because that's what life is about. But as long as you think, oh, you know, that's a distant possibility that's possible for them oh yeah but you know jeff bezos did that because he's jeff bezos so it's it's for him it's not for me all these excuses we come up with to build this wall of like oh yeah that would be the ideal life but it's not for me oh yeah that would be the ideal setup but it's not for me all those excuses we make they require a catalyst so we so we overcome that initial 
requirement of energy, of focus, of attention, of refocus, right? Um, and that's exactly what I do. That's what my business specializes in, is like to give people that nudge to even embrace the fact that this is not just a possibility, that's what they have in them, right? And then to get on that yoga mat or to get on the road. But I think that is what our teaching is here to do, like yours as well as mine. It's first and foremost to show people the possibility because most people think they have no choice. They have no choice but being stuck in the rut. They have no choice but work for a paycheck. They have no choice but now that they have a lawyer's degree, now that they have a law's degree, they have to be a lawyer. They have to remain in that wheelhouse forever. And we are here to show people that, no, you create your options. You also diminish your options. So to show that there is a world behind that big red door, as I call it, that is a holy duty. And we all have that duty because once you're on that road, you have to touch others. That's exactly what you spoke about, right? This, this is what value giving means. Yeah. Um, you and I think about these things similarly, um, but not everybody does. And as you're working with your clients, which are, are primarily businesses, that, that you're um, a business guide, not a consultant, but what do you think are the biggest challenges for people to really adopt this kind of philosophy that you and I have gained? Because they haven't necessarily been through the experiences that you and I have been through to gain this, this perspective. So actually, could you maybe tell us a little bit about what it was that, that drove you to this mindset shift? And how do you help others to make that shift as well? Yeah, I, I, it's this old thing. Uh, if you wait long enough for something to happen, something will happen, but it's not going to be what you were hoping for, right? So I was stuck in the, in the waiting room, in the corporate waiting room, in a quite a high-end uh, corporate environment for years and years. I was doing very transactional, detrimental work that was gnawing at my health, mental health. I was making a lot of money, so I thought that in my book everything was going all right. I was doing well. I was embedded in a high-performance society in Switzerland. Uh, I was in upper management. At some point, I co-owned a larger production company. And things is uh, thing is that the more I did it, the more I worked my ass off, the worse it got. The more my bank account grew... The more clients I had, the more, uh, you, you know, the more pitches I was invited to, the worse it got until the day where suddenly I couldn't get up anymore. I couldn't get up. I couldn't get out of bed anymore. Something was weighing me down. It had been for a while, but suddenly it was there physically. And over, over the next couple of months, I started to have very, very dark thoughts. You know, I started to really like my flame was going out. I felt like life was being sucked out of me and I was just this empty functioning hole of a person, you know, this, 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 just this outside person. And I was actually standing outside of myself, looking at myself, realizing what have you become? You have become everything the world wants you to be, but where in all this person is the person that was born into this shape, you know? Who, who are you? 
I realized I had become the reflection of my clients, of the expectations that people have towards me. So I, I had a couple suicide attempts after that. I tried, you know, different ways out because I was just so desperate. Nobody could really give me uh, a pointers. And I realized at some point that what the world wanted to do to me, the therapies, the friends, um, my business mentor, they wanted to fix me. They thought I was broken. Now, here's the thing, Brian. I was not broken. I was just at a point of very deep crisis because I had emptied all my pockets and all I had, and I had, I had ignored my heart for so long that there was nothing left of me. And now I was faced with the challenge, am I going to continue and let this beast kill me? Or am I going to take matters back into hand and reinitiate my life, reignite my life as my true self? And I thank to the gods in the heavens and whoever you believe in that I chose the second option. But this made me realize that I am the guy who's going to dedicate his life to help other people who face that door to walk through it so they don't, they don't fall back into the rut of doing the ever same until life is over, until their health gives in, uh, until they, their people give, give up on them. Um, so I have realized that this is what I need to do. I was given this opportunity to help people make the same big decision I made back then and guide them back into their true self because what happened on the other side was a mere miracle. It's just like everything in my life came back together. Like it's, it's literally like when you reboot a system with a fresh operating system. That's exactly what happened with me. My body healed, my mind healed, uh, my, my words healed, and I became, I became an expressive person rather than this introverted, reactive person. I became responsible and accountable. I, I, I would even dare saying I became like my beautiful self. I would never have been able to speak the way I speak now back then because I was a corporate puppet. And it's okay. I'm here to tell you it's okay to be a corporate puppet if you're willing to realize that that's just one chapter in your life that at some point expires. And when that expires, your heart will tell. And my heart told me very loudly and very clearly. The problem is just that I waited for too long for someone to change something in my life, right? I waited for someone to offer me the ultimate job, a, a, a business perspective, you know, that would change everything, uh, a lottery win, I don't know, something. We all wait for that thing. And then I realized, no, man, I'm just waiting on myself. I'm just waiting on my own self to say yes to who I am. That is the only thing we're waiting for. And the sooner you can do that, the more time you have to tap into your beautiful self and make that the source of the value you will create from that moment on. And that is mind-blowing. To me, that's just mind-blowing that I was given this opportunity through such a dark time, right? 
Yeah. So this is, this is also what I see in most of my clients happening. This is one of the things I really love about the concept of happy work and the work that you're doing with your clients is what you're saying really resonates with me, as you know, because we've had these conversations. Um, for you, it, this this kind of sense of doing sad work, it ultimately is going to lead to burnout for, for many people. That leads to a breakdown of our mental health. And then that manifests in other areas. For you, it manifested in suicide attempts. For me, you know, there's no distinct research, I guess, uh, although it's developing. But I believe that the burnout and the mental breakdown actually led to my cancer that, that I ended up relapsing in 21. And I had to go through six rounds of chemotherapy because when you're not in a good state mentally and you're constantly stressed and anxious, it just makes your body more hospitable to cancer. And so it resonates so much with me. And I, I would just ask anybody, the, the listener out there, if you're, if you're sitting in your corporate job and you feel like you're doing sad work, if you're on your way to your next sales meeting and you're just miserable and you wish you could be home with your family, you may not have hit, hit that point that Olivier and I have hit to make this shift. But think about, will you at some point, if you keep down this path that you're on? And one thing that I can say is that ever since um, I placed the emphasis on myself and my well-being and tried to figure out what value do I want to provide to the world, um, it's, it, you know, the last couple of years of, of trying to get a business off ground, the ground have been the worst financial years of my career but the happiest of my career. I haven't been this happy since I was a kid, you know? <laughs> and, and what I'm finding yeah. is that, again, as I'm investing in myself and doing things that I'm passionate about, my value is going up, and uh, it's very financially rewarding as well. So it's very hard. Because... It's very hard to shift that mindset, to make that flip from the status quo, but I just implore people to at least explore the opportunity. I am I'm a hundred thousand percent with you, Brian. Um, and it, to 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 the point that you said, you know, um, the fi financial reward of happy work. The incredible thing that I have noticed is that when you start giving yourself away, your truth, when you become this powerful, relentless, loud actor of your own heart, and you you add to the beauty of the world, you add something that's not there yet because the world is waiting for you, um, what comes back to you, every single dollar that comes back in happy work is worth 25 sad dollars, you know? All the money that you made before, the sad money that you make, you know, the money that you, the blood money that comes from an empty heart, that comes from you sitting outside of yourself, which you use to buy things to keep your yourself above water, right? Now you go on shopping sprees and you buy things on Amazon that you actually don't need because you're so miserable. You buy yourself a new car every year or every two years because somehow there's a void in your life that you have to fill. When you do happy work because you actually are who you are, you're embracing your true self, you become completely unapproachable by such offers. You become so conscious in your spendings. You become so conscious in the people you engage with. You become so conscious about how you want to spend your time that everything in your life suddenly starts to 
build this tower of happiness, you know, those, those walls of happiness around you because you are the creator of it now. You, you don't, you're not, you're not suspect and subjected to marketing messages anymore. That's, that's a crazy thing for me, Brian. I was a marketing person for 23 years, high-end professional marketing for car brands and such. And now I realize when you are truly happy, when you're engaged in your real happiness, not as something you need to achieve, but as a reality that lives within you, you become completely unapproachable by marketing that is trying to sell you things you don't need completely. Mm. Because when you are your true self, you know what you need. When you know what you need, you will not buy things you don't need. Exactly. And when you don't buy things you don't need, suddenly you have more for the things you actually need. You have more focus. You know, you That's only need one of this, one like that, but it becomes high end because it serves you. Yeah. It's a great way to build wealth and a great way to obtain affordable freedom, isn't it? A hundred percent. And <laughs> I, I love that expression, affordable freedom, so much, Brian, so much, because what is life about? Life is about us just screaming and singing our song into the world, right? This is what we're here to do. Just exist, live loud. But what is required for a person to do that is freedom. Without freedom, we will never follow the song of our heart. So my method, my teaching, what I do is re-engaging people in mental freedom, recreating the original operating system that they were born with that is ultimate freedom. But now when you're in the world, in the financial reality, people need to be reconnected with a view on money that doesn't support void goals, but real human, human freedom. How can you have a view on money so that it becomes a tool for freedom, not a tool for status mm. or a tool for uh, you know, proliferation? Right? Yeah. When we don't understand money, we don't understand growth, we use money actually as a master and we become a master. It's something we talked about earlier, right? Um, money, the whole world that you serve, is such an important tool in serving your happiness. But it cannot become your happiness because then you become its servant. Yeah. And, and that's what you said at the beginning. That's the world we live in. That's what breaks my heart every day. And I know it shatters your heart every day as well. The people running after money are the people running after this, this tool that should serve them. The money should run after them. Yeah. And, you know, I'm seeing this a lot more as I become more active on LinkedIn and, and other social media is that um, if you, well, number one, whatever you want to learn is at your fingertips. Like you can go on social media, you can pay a few hundred dollars for an online course and probably learn more valuable stuff that, than you would learn, at least from a tactical standpoint, in four years of college. Um, but then what I'm seeing is that these people who are, who are acquiring this knowledge and this increasing their value to other people, they're building this personal brand and they have followers. So I feel like we're getting to a point now where say goodbye to the days where somebody 
brings their resume into a big corporation and says, will you please let me work for you? <laughs> it's like, no, people are creating their own value. They de- they're determining who they want to be. Again, along with your, uh, your concept of, uh, of happy work, you know, doing happy work and providing that value to others and the money will find you. You don't have to seek it. Uh, it's the law of resonance. It's the law of attraction. It's the law of action and reaction. It's if you become truthful and honest in giving your value away, the value will come back to you and nurture you in providing more value. That's, that's what a forest, an ecosystem of a forest does to a tree. We, 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 we've become these weird forests where every single tree wants to grow what's fashionable and wants to grow as high and tall as the sky. Can you imagine what the world would look like if that's what the trees were doing? Everything would be overgrown. Uh, trees would fight each other. And there would be no light on the ground. Everything would just be depleted. That's, that's kind of like what the current ecosystems are promoting. The business schools, the, the traditional uh, ecosystems. But we have to shift exactly, as you say, towards the self-ownership model where capitalism still remains the underlying structure, but with a social aspect of the self that is willing to give. Now, this is maybe just because you said that in the opening, you know, you, you, you use that word capitalism, which is always a great gateway into all kinds of conversations. And me and Brian, we could talk for days. We know we have that problem. (laughs) But capitalism is only a vehicle. It's a vehicle for prosperity. And prosperity that's seen in the right light is a tool that can serve us human beings to embrace our full potential. You know, you can use now tools to bring out your potential. But if that vehicle is used in a transactional way, it turns against the system, just like cancer, because it promotes proliferation, right? It now promotes the depletion of the system, mining value. But if such a system was shifted from taking, 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 taking towards giving, 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 giving capitalism, people would suddenly build a new level of trust into business. They would suddenly open up to businesses and say like, hey, this business is really here to try to serve me value that is essential to me. I want them in my life. And what happens when we do that? We become not clients or customers. We become like fans of our favorite rock band. We follow that brand everywhere. We pay to see them. We protect them in the light of an argument. We have their backs. They have our backs. That's the kind of relationship you want to see in a business fan um, setup. That's the kind of thing I want to see in this capitalism where bands still benefit from their fans paying to see them and hear them, but they do it because these guys are here to bring an awesome show they truly believe in. They're here to give themselves completely on the stage. Has anyone ever walked away disappointed from a concert of their favorite band? No. Mm -hmm. That's precisely what social capitalism with happy work businesses could become. Yes. Millions of stages where people are performing their best songs and fans are there to just be completely overwhelmed and, and by, by this experience of value that they receive. 
and say like, yes, I need more of this. Yeah, we, we got to stop obsessing with um, chasing after financial capital, chasing after this, frankly, imaginary currency that, as we've seen over the last decade, can be created out of thin air yeah. <laughs> and, and, and focusing more on social capital. Build social capital because it can be converted to financial capital is kind of the way that I look at it. You know, if I invest in people and I help other people to improve their lives, they're going to probably pay for my services because those services are valuable to them. So, yeah, like just figure out how can you help other people. And an easy way to do that, too. One thing that's helped for me is think about myself three to five years ago and give my past self advice that... Mm-hmm. knowing what I know now, I would have paid for. So that can yeah, be an easy way yeah. to think about the value that you can you can serve to other people. I think that's such a good, uh, you know, layman's test, you know, that you can do is, would my five-year younger self pay for the service I'm providing now? And would it actually help that person I was to progress into that new chapter of the self by providing value in the sense of freedom. It's a hard, hard yes for me. A hard, hard, hard yes for me. If I had met myself, who I am today, back then, when I was ready, you know, to swallow those pills, wow. I mean, it would have taken me straight, you know, a shortcut directly to where I stand today because it was exactly the message I needed to hear. And that's such a good point you're making, Brian, because imagine if everybody provided the value that they would gladly pay for. That would be a system of self-accountability like unlike anything we know today. Yeah. Unlike anything. The, the, the host that would love nothing more than to be hosted by himself in the setting that he has created to receive that experience because it's an eye-opener, not because it makes them money. That is the most beautiful thing that we can hope for. We all love staying in those places because they're personal, they're created with with care. There's a closeness to uh, what matters most in the setup. That's what matters. And I think that's what we feel in those businesses that you mentioned at the beginning, Patagonia and Costco and, you know, all these businesses. It's like they are their own clients. They are just forwarding that which they would want for themselves to share it with the world. And that's such an awesome thing to do. There's nothing that's more beautiful. How can you not go home and feel fulfilled after a day's work of just forwarding your care into the hands and hearts of other people. There's nothing more amazing. Why wouldn't we chase that? I love it. I love it. That's a great way to wrap up. That's an inspiring way to end there, man. I love it. Um, (laughs) So for people that want to learn more about you and and what you do, where's the best place for them to to find find more? So I am uh, on almost every social. Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn um, uh, under my name. That's... Olivier Egli. Maybe we can leave it in the show notes. Um, easiest way, of course, is email. It's uh, olivier at y-story.com. Uh, you can also look at my website. That's uh, y-story.com, uh, where you find more details about what I do specifically and how to get in touch with me. 
Um, if I may also add here, I also have a podcast where I talk about the different uh, nuances and the different elements and aspects uh, of happy work and how to move you know, incrementally from sad work to happy work. Um, it's kind of like, you know, a, a podcast of online guidance for people who feel that kind of doubt and insecurity and, you know, are in this place of the, the facing the wall and the door. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's basically it. I want to keep it like simple, you know, but email is probably the best. And I'm always open to questions. And also what I have now is every third Wednesday of the month, uh, 10, no, 11 a.m. PST, I have something that's called open office hours where, you know, for 45 minutes, uh, just a, a group of entrepreneurs on Zoom can exchange the deeper, maybe also darker, more uh, existential and essential questions around business and how to re-engage in business that is emotionally fulfilling. Um, you can just shoot me a text if you want to sign up for that. It's free. It's every third Wednesday of the month on Zoom. Yeah, I think uh, cool. that's about it. Sounds good, my friend. Well, thanks again for, for coming on and keep helping people live happier, more fulfilling lives. We need more of that. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a moment, check out my website at reflectivewealth.com. Everything you need to know about my business is there. Because if there's one thing I've learned in my career... Transparency and accountability are critical to a healthy financial services industry. Thanks and see you next time.